Well, there are so many great games in the Big 12 Conference this week, but uh, to me, uh, Bedlam takes the cake as the number one game in the Big 12, and there's a lot of competition this week, but when you've got this rivalry ending, um, let's be honest, it's not going to be played for probably a long time. You heard Mike Gundy say, probably not until a bowl game, will we see these these two teams on the field again? I thought, um, let's talk about it, let's dive into it, and let's welcome on Brian Clinton you know him well if you follow Heartland College Sports. He's the managing editor of the site here. And um, also on top of that, he hosts a great podcast as part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network called the Portal Podcast, where you're focused on a lot of what's going on in the transfer portal, recruiting, and everything else in the world of uh, not just the Big 12, but also college football. Of course, I'm Pete Mundo. Great to have you on the show as always. And uh Brian, you grew up in Oklahoma. Uh, You've covered all sides of this. You obviously know both of these teams very well. Before we get to the game, just take us through the mentality right now around the state and kind of what that conversation has been like this week leading up to this game on Saturday. Well, thanks for having me on, Pete, first of all. And and, and second, uh, man, it's weird. I, I just don't think the weight of the of the situation has has hit everybody yet and quite frankly I, I don't think it's going to until Sunday morning rolls around and and people start to realize you know that that was it that was mm-hmm. the last time that this game is potentially going to be played for a long time and certainly the last time that we're going to see them play as big 12 opponents which you know th- this dates back to uh, the big 12 and, and the big eight before that and and you know these teams have played together um since 1904 they've played consecutively uh since 1910 and so um it's just going to be it's a really weird situation uh knowing that this is the last time that they're going to play for the foreseeable future um and i think that that you know the stakes are always high in this game here especially especially here recently we've seen both of these teams uh, buying for spots in the Big 12 championship, um, we, you know, the winner of this game moving on and the other being on the outside looking in. Uh, that's happened a lot here recently, and that and that's the case uh, this week as well. But now it's bragging rights are on the line. For Oklahoma State, it's like, look, you may have won 90 games or whatever it was in the in the in the series, but we we won the last one, and that's all that matters. And and for Oklahoma. It's on the opposite. Do you, do you want to give them that? Uh, do you want to give your brother or your uncle that uh, bragging rights for however long? It, it's a it's a weird feel. It's it's certainly exciting, but uh, th- there's some there's going to be some love lost after this because seeing Bedlam go away just you know it's just not good for college football. No, it's not. Uh, you know, I uh, posed this question as you know on social media last week, and I said, "All right, Oklahoma State fans." Would you rather go one and four the rest of the way with a win over OU or go four and one the rest of the way with a loss to OU? And I thought it would be one and four, but four and one, one out, one out pretty easily. And I asked this to a couple of Oklahoma State buddies, and they all said they'd rather go four and one with a loss this weekend because, as they noted, like our program is no longer just about beating Oklahoma. As much as they've struggled against OU, that's not where the program is anymore under Mike Gundy. They'd rather go, you know, uh, nine and three, eight and four, if it means a loss to OU, than go six and six uh, with a win over OU. And does that just kind of explain to you kind of how this rivalry has really built up in the Mike Gundy era? And despite the fact that he struggled against OU, Oklahoma State fans uh, look at their season as more than just playing Oklahoma. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you've seen, you know, regardless of, of some of the issues, I guess you'll, you'll say what that, that fans have had with Mike Gundy. The one thing he's done consistently is win. Uh, even coming into this year, you know, things didn't look great. Uh, 30-37 against South, or, yeah, against South yep. Alabama there. And it was just, you know, things were ready to fall apart. And Mike Gundy in his, in his uh, post-game conference and, and during that week, he said that he didn't feel they had any major issues, to which everybody laughed at him. Well, who's laughing now? I mean, this, this, he, he has turned this team around yet again. They're right on the cusp of uh, being in the Big 12 championship once again. And, and, and this is just what you've seen Oklahoma State grow into. We've seen them and K-State for, you know, to a lesser extent over, over the last couple of decades become those teams that really have challenged Oklahoma. And, and I think that that's going to continue uh, to be the case, except, you know, there, there's not the Sooners there at the top anymore. Mm-hmm. So you, you're looking at, you're looking at a, a program that can finally get out of the shadow uh, of the Sooners, and and I think that that's fantastic for for Oklahoma State. I, mm-hmm. I'm excited about the future, and I really like where where Oklahoma State is coming into this one because this team is as a tough team, and they do things the right way. And obviously, they've got a star. Uh, I, I don't think emerging is the right word to, to use anymore with what Ollie Gordon's been, but but the future is bright in Stillwater. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about the game and Ollie Gordon. How does Oklahoma, and, and I guess the better question is, can Oklahoma stop Ollie Gordon, and how do they do it? I think stopping Ollie Gordon at this point is, uh, I, I don't think it would be wise to expect that if you're an Oklahoma fan. Uh, look, this guy... He's gone for 282 and 271 in the last two games. Game before that against uh, Kansas, he he had 160 yards on the ground, but but he also had over 100 receiving. So uh, this guy has been heavily involved in the offense, and I would say he's been the key cog for for Oklahoma State without a question. If you can slow him down, you have to minimize the impact that he makes on the game if you're Oklahoma. So. That means stacking the box and forcing Alan Bowman to try and win this game with his arm, uh, and that means putting Oklahoma State behind the chains early, early in the possession. So uh, I, I don't think you can expect Oklahoma to, sl- to to necessarily stop him, but to slow him down just enough uh, would be would be a really good thing for the Sooners. I still expect Gordon to go over 100 yards in this game, though. So. Uh, <laughs> that's just the kind of back he's been. Yeah. Should OU fans be concerned about their defense stopping him, or do you think they maybe load the box and basically say, all right, Alan Bowman, beat us? Well, you know, uh, unfortunately for defensive coordinators, the last four teams have, have loaded the box against Dolly Gordon, and it hasn't mattered. Um, you've got to be really good at tackling uh, against him. And so I would say absolutely you need to be concerned about him even if you do try and stack the box, uh, Alan Bowman, as far as as far as throwing the ball over your head, you know, look, he, he he does have a good arm, but he does not bring the the same level of mobility that you've seen uh, in Oklahoma's last two opponents with John Rice Plumley and Jason Bean, obviously last week, who gave them issues. Um, this isn't the kind of guy that's really going to hurt you uh, with his legs. He's got 19 carries for 27 yards on on the season, so. Uh, I, I think you you really focus on shutting down Ollie Gordon, and and if you're if you're going to be in a in a game in the second half that's still close, 
which I do expect, you want the big game plan for Oklahoma State to have to be to throw the ball uh, because I think that plays right into Oklahoma's hands with them getting back a couple of uh, key secondary pieces this mm-hmm. week. All right, so how about the other side then? Um, we know Oklahoma's offense is, is potent, but uh, we also know that OU fans, and somewhat understandably so, aren't too happy with uh, Jeff Levy's conservative play calling last week in that loss to Kansas. So has that been addressed this week, and what changes, if any, do you expect in this game on Saturday in Stillwater? Yeah, so one of the very first questions, obviously, uh, in Brent Venable's um, early week press conference was was about the conservativeness and, and about the lack of aggression over the last couple of weeks uh, offensively. And and he said, you know, I expect us to maintain a certain level of aggression. And he said it in kind of the way that, that seems he's probably addressed this at this point. Uh, later on in the press conference, he also talked about uh, placing an emphasis on getting the ball into playmakers' hands, which is something that you just haven't seen Oklahoma do the last couple of weeks. So I would say this this kind of seems like a get-back-to-the-basics kind of week for Oklahoma's offense, which is really just let your, your Heisman-contending quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, make the plays that he has shown uh, the ability to, to make. Uh, and if you if you continue to take the ball out of his hands, which we've seen Jeff Levy do the last couple of weeks, you're, you're going to find yourself in the dogfight. So – I would expect uh, Oklahoma to try and change some things there. And, and Oklahoma State, over the last four weeks, they've, they've forced 10 turnovers. Uh, and that's really what's helped them build leads and extend them. Uh, and so I, I think you, you have to see Oklahoma State continue to try and be aggressive defensively uh, and try and force Oklahoma uh, into predictable downs, which which obviously has hurt them over the last couple of weeks. When I was looking at this game, Brian, I saw that um... – OU, and I touched on it last week, it's one of the reasons I like Kansas to cover, is that OU in a close game, not that this cost them last week, but they have been sloppy, and in conference play, they have the second most penalties of any Big 12 team. Has Brent Venables touched on that at all? Is he? I'm sure he's aware of it, but uh, is that something that could play a factor on Saturday? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Last week, there was a, there was a sequence uh, in the third quarter against Kansas where where Oklahoma had uh, back-to-back 15-yarders before uh, another play was even run. You had a guy make a, a tackle on the sideline, and he, and he suplexed the, the uh, ball carrier. And, and directly after that, one of Oklahoma's uh, coaches, uh, not, not Brent Minimals, but an assistant coach, was uh, he was given the line judge an earful. I mean, just absolutely let him have it, and, and the line judge wouldn't put up with that. So they had back-to-back 15-yarders, and it, and it worked Kansas – down the field 30 yards on top of a big gain on that. And a few plays later, Kansas runs it in for a touchdown. So um, those things have cost Oklahoma, and the penalties have really come at awful times. Uh, you've also seen over the last two weeks, Oklahoma have penalties, uh, you know, right after making stops on third and goal uh, defensively. And, and it gives the offense a whole new set of downs, and, and both times they ended up uh, turning what should have been a, a goal line stand into into six points. So – Oklahoma has got to be better situationally when it comes to, to the penalties because it's cost them dearly, uh, and obviously it's, it's caused games that really shouldn't have been close. Uh, looking at the at the lines, those games shouldn't have been close, and, and Oklahoma lost one, and they barely pulled out the other against UCF. So mm-hmm. uh, penalties are going to be a trend, and, and, and Oklahoma certainly is the more penalized team uh, coming into this matchup. Yeah. So then uh, you look at the Mike Gundy factor here. He obviously has been very vocal about all this since uh, – OU announced it was leaving, or the reports, I guess, first leaked that they were leaving for the SEC with Texas. Uh, he's basically of the attitude, uh, not going to play them again, not as long as I'm here. We're not scheduling them again. 
Do you think that's kind of tough talk? Uh, because we all know what this game means for not just these teams, the fans, but those economies. I mean, this is going to be an enormous weekend uh, for that Stillwater economy, for all the small businesses, the mom-and-pop businesses. This might be the best weekend of the year. And I know Mike Gundy cares deeply about that community. So do you think it's kind of emotional tough talk, or do you think this thing is done for a while? You know, I, I think that in Stillwater uh, – Mike Gundy's been around long enough that what he says holds a lot of water. And, mm-hmm. and this, this is a series that, you know, quite frankly, he, he hasn't had a lot of success in. So I think that this is an opportunity uh, for Oklahoma state to, like you just, you said earlier to, to make their, their program about something else other than how they perform against Oklahoma. That's, that's really been the, the thing that has kept him from ascending atop those coaching lists. Uh, you know, whenever whenever publications are talking about the best coaches in college football, there's no other reason for Mike Gundy not to be at or near the top other than how he's performed against the Sooners. So, um, you know, I, I honestly, I tend to think that it's that it, it's it's for real. I, I don't think Oklahoma State wants wants anything to do with with Oklahoma as a non-conference opponent on top of a, a Big 12 schedule that continues to get more and more difficult. Every year, it seems with with new teams coming in and and teams like Utah and and uh, the Arizona schools coming in, it's it's already going to be challenging enough. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, when when you look at what Oklahoma State has going forward, uh, with or without Oklahoma in the picture, I, I think that they're starting to to carve out their own uh, brand and their own image, and and uh, that's been built on what what Mike Gundy has done there. And I think he means it when he says that that this is the last time as long as he's there, that they're going to, they're going to schedule a game against the Sooners. Hmm. All right. Well, um, before we get, before we let you go, uh, Brian Clinton's joining us here on the show. It's going to be a great weekend in the big 12. Give me the other game. And there's a couple to pick from, but give me the other game that you are locked on in the big 12 this weekend. And why? It is absolutely Kansas state at Texas. Uh, in my opinion, this is a major, major game. With, with not just with Big 12 implications, but college football playoff implications. If Texas loses this game, they're out of the they're they're out of the fight as far as as making that Final Four. Uh, and I would be very very concerned uh, if you're a Texas fan because what K State brings into Austin this weekend is a team that I, you know I would argue is is one of the hottest in the country. And the way that they have played over the last few weeks, I don't think they're ranking. Uh, there at 20 feet is is nearly high enough for for what we've seen from Kansas State over the last few weeks. So this is a game that you, you see Kansas State certainly look better than its ranking, and I would argue that that Texas at number seven without Quinn Ewers, that that's uh, that, that's they still need to prove what they're capable of without him. I, I like Malik Murphy, and I I do think that he is he has all the talent in the world, but making your second start against a K-State defense that has not allowed a touchdown in nine quarters, that's tough. That's mm. really, really tough. So yeah. uh, that's the other big one. And the winner of that game is is in the catbird seat to make the Big 12 championship. That's exactly right. Boy, it's going to be a great weekend of uh, Big 12 football. Brian Clinton is joining us here on the show. And can't wait to see it all unfold this weekend, Brian. Make sure you find his podcast, The Portal Podcast. It is part of the Heartland College Sports uh, Podcast Network. Looking forward to, of course, uh, listening to that this week. Hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. That way you can uh, 
check out that show each and every week, usually drops in the middle of the week. Well, Brian, always good to have you on. Um, I know you're going to be at that game this weekend, so enjoy it, and we'll be following along. We appreciate the time. Yes, sir. Thank you, Pete. Good work there by Brian Clinton. Appreciate him hopping on the show. Hey, before you head out, would you hit the uh, five-star on iTunes? What do you think? Come on. I know you haven't done it yet. Take a second out. Hit the five-star. And if you want the koozie, leave the rating and review. Subscribe. Send me the screenshot to Mundo M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get you all hooked up. We appreciate you guys. Have a great rest of the day. Enjoy the games this weekend. And we'll talk to you soon on heartlandcollegesports.com. Sign up for those message boards. They're free. We're on them all the time. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.